Hello, this is Jacob here, and welcome to episode 57 of the Clown Chat Podcast. It's just me again, hoping to have some some guests on soon. Um, we'll have a good guest on to do some NFL win total over-unders, I'm hoping, at, at some point this summer. Maybe we'll we'll be able to get a guest on for um, some NBA offseason talk at some point. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, but it is just me again today, doing a solo episode, and we've got a couple of things that... Uh, that we're going to talk about. Um, mainly going to talk about we might touch on just a little bit more of the of the finals aftermath, but we're not going to spend too much time on that today. Um, we also um, might get into a little bit of draft talk. I'm not going to do a ton of time on that either. The main purpose of today's episode is to talk about why Celtics fans... We're right about Kyrie Irving. That's going to be our main topic today. So, um, let's get uh, let's get into the Kyrie stuff because that is our big story today. Sham Sharania of the Athletic dropped um, the new the the news item today that um, Kyrie is looking elsewhere. He might leave the Nets. It's not doesn't sound definite, but it sounds like there's hurdles to overcome. If he's going to stay, um, Lakers, Clippers, and Knicks were mentioned as destinations by Shams, and then um, and then James Stewart from um, radio station in Boston, ninety-eight five, the Sports Hub. Um, he dropped some 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 good NBA news nuggets from time to time, and um, he says that Miami is also a possible. Uh, destination for Kyrie. So, um we'll we'll go with those four teams, I guess, as is possible landing spots for now. Um and I want to preface this by saying that um I think and, and Bill Simmons has mentioned this as well. I think the most likely outcome here is that Kyrie just opts in and plays out the year with the Nets. Um there's not a lot of cap room around the league. It's going to be hard for a lot of these teams to maneuver. He's literally going... To, uh, the most likely outcome is that he's going to opt in, period, because um, the Lakers and Clippers can't trade for him without him opting in. They are not going to be able to do a sign-in trade. It's just not going to work. Um, the Knicks might be able to pull off a sign-in trade, but even then that gets... You know, they've got a lot of money too. So, But, you know, that would be more palatable because at least they're under... They, they could be under the tax line without too much effort. So if it were a deal with the, and we can go into the possible constructions of what each deal would look like and, and what we'd get into if you went to each team. Um, but it would be easiest for him to get to the Knicks or I guess Miami, maybe Miami would be, you know, doable as well, you know, more doable as well, probably more doable than um, the Lakers or Clippers. Lakers and Clippers would be, or the the Clippers would be doable if he opted in. The, the Lakers is hard, it's hard to figure, we'll get into the permutations and what that might look like, but that would be pretty hard to figure out. I know that's going to be the one because of the LeBron-Kyrie reunion and all that, and, you know, people like to talk about the Lakers even though they literally were trash and didn't make the playoffs last year. Um, like the um, 
you know, people, so people are going to talk about that, you know, idea probably the most, but it's really the least likely if you look at the, um, you know, what the option, you know, would be to get him there, um, and, and the difficulty in terms of finding something that would work. Um, but I just want to take a little bit of a victory lap first. Um, like, we told you so. We told you this was coming. We told everybody this was coming. We told Nets fans this was coming. We told NBA fans who thought it was just sour grapes that it was coming. We, as in we, and when I say we, I'm talking about Celtics Nation, Celtics fans, you know, everywhere. We told you this was coming with this dude. We told you that when the Nets put together the team of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, we told you that it was not going to last, that they would not win a championship, and that Kyrie Irving would blow up their team from within. We told everybody that when this all was put together. That, you know, it would start off, you know, fine, and then eventually it would just go downhill. Well, look what happened, guys. Look what happened. Kyrie pissed off James. He Okay, so let's go through what happened with Kyrie in Brooklyn. You know, this team that was supposed to just dominate the league for five years and just be unbeatable and win five championships in a row and all this stuff. Let's go through what happened. His first year, 2020, he played a, you know, played a few games, but Kevin Durant was hurt and um and and then Kyrie got hurt too and and they were like a 7 seed and they didn't really do anything and he put up some big numbers but you know didn't really do anything got a coach fired you know a good coach fired I might add a coach is much better than the coach they have now fired um so then you get to the next year he and KD come back, you know, starts okay. Um, they look fine. Then they do the Harden trade, you know, but then their guys are like in and out of the lineup hurt all the time. And then they get to the playoffs. It looks good for one series against a Boston team that's really injured and didn't really have, you know, a roster that fit well. Um, you know, they, they were just having a down year. They didn't have enough on the roster. Guys like Tristan Thompson are playing. Kemba Walker's still there. And, you know, he wasn't the same player. Like, you know, that was just a tough situation for Boston. But they did look good in that series. But, you know, if you're, if you're, the if, if that's the only playoff series you won, you know, with this team that had all these expectations, I mean, that's a pretty damn big failure now, isn't it? It's a pretty damn big failure. Um, And then they get to the second round again because. They have injury. They invest in injury-prone players, injury-prone, dysfunctional, unreliable players. They get to the second round. Harden gets injured. Kyrie gets injured because Kyrie's always injured. One of those injury-prone players I've ever seen. And then they lose to Milwaukee, who who did win the championship. But um, and that's like the high point of this whole thing. And then you get to this year, and then lo and behold, well, Celtics fans. You know, and and what we've all been telling you this whole time would happen, happened. We were right. 
we were right. That's just the way it is. We get to this year and, you know, Kyrie does the whole, you know, vaccine thing because, you know, apparently taking a, you know, a vaccine that's, you know, scientifically proven to be safe that is, is designed to limit the spread of deadly disease. It's just a little bit too much for him. Um, and that's a nice way of putting it. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll say it the nice way. I've said it a not so nice way before, but that's the nice way of putting it. So then there's that whole thing. He's not even playing. Between that and some other things, he pisses off Harden. Harden wants out. And then Kyrie, you know, so they get Ben Simmons for him. Ben Simmons never plays. Kyrie comes back. It's not enough. Too little, too late. They get swept in the first round by the very Boston Celtics team that they had, you know, that they they had beaten the year before when the Celtics had injuries, including Jalen Brown being out. Um, and the very team that Kyrie left. The very team that Kyrie decided wasn't good enough for him to remain a part of swept his ass out of the playoffs. The only sweep in the 2022 playoffs was the Boston Celtics sweeping the Brooklyn Nets. Imagine that. Just imagine that. And let me tell you too, the Kyrie not wanting to stay in Boston, that was the best thing that ever happened to the Celtics franchise because it allowed the Celtics to put the team in the hands of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, players that actually deserve that sort of responsibility, that have the ability to um, you know, properly hold that level of responsibility and that have the talent to, to really carry your team. And then they uh, went right to the finals this year. That finals trip never happens. if And, and future finals trips would never happen if Kyrie Irving were still on the team. They, they wouldn't. They would, it would not have happened. So um, thanks to that dude for, for leaving and, you know, trading for him in the first place, as I've said it many times, is one of the worst trades in the history of the Celtics. Should never have happened. Should never have happened. But anyway, um, so so that's what happened, and now and now the Nets are looking at this as like you know why the hell are we signing up for another five years paying this guy max money if that's going to be what we're going to get out of it when we have Kevin freaking Durant on our roster? So. We saw what happened in Cleveland. We saw what happened in Boston. And now we've seen what happened in Brooklyn. And this is just what, what this dude is. He's going to cause dysfunction within your team. He's going to destroy your team from within. You're always going to underachieve. And that's just going to be what it is. It's just going to be a really bad experience. That's just what it is with this dude. And we told you so. We told you so. Um, so I just had to get that little, uh, rant off, off my chest because I, I, you know, I had to hear it for a long time about how, you know, Celtics fans, it was just sour grapes. We're just bitter that he left, you know, we, you know, all this stuff. And it's just like, no, we, we knew what, we knew what this dude was about. We know what, when we knew what's going to happen and it happened. So hell yeah, I'm going to take a victory lap. You Damn right I'm going to take a victory lap over this. Man, this is just... Oh, to sweep him 
And then to have, oh, it's just so beautiful. I'm sorry, I just can't. It's just so beautiful. Anyway, um, so after seeing all this, who was stupid enough to actually want this dude? Um, let's get into that. So, um, and again, I'll preface this by saying I agree with Bill Simmons that, you know, he's going to look at this and he's going to look at wanting to continue to play with KD and all that stuff. And he's going to opt in and stay one more year with Brooklyn. And honestly, that's probably what Brooklyn wants too, to see if, you know, he comes in and has another year, you, you, you know, see if he comes in and actually not another year. Cause he hadn't really had ever had a good year there. Um, if he actually does something next year, then they might feel comfortable keeping him. I don't know. Or they just stave off the thing for a year because we'll get to the KD implications in a few minutes, but I imagine there's going to be some implications with this, with how KD feels about staying in Brooklyn as well. Um, but so let's go through the destinations. Um, the likeliest destination in my mind would be the Knicks. And um, the reason why I say that is because it's still in New York. You know, if he wants to be in New York, then he can be with the Knicks. And just the feasibility of um, what it would, you, you know, acquiring him. The Knicks could send out some mix of like Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, um, you know, Kemba, Derek Rose. They have, you know, there's a few others as well. Um, they have a lot of like mid-level type, you know, slightly above the mid-level in, in the 10 to 20 million range type of salaries. Now do the Knicks, I mean, do the Nets want all those players? You know, maybe not. Maybe there's some three-way trades in there. Um, But, and the other thing the Knicks have is they have draft capital. They have draft capital. They have young assets. They have guys like Emmanuel Quickly on the current roster. R.J. Barrett's there too, but you wouldn't move R.J. Barrett for a piece like this. I mean, Cam Reddish is another guy. Like, And then you have um, you have the draft capital. You have, you know, it's not looking like, based on the Dallas Mavericks trajectory, that's not looking like it's going to be a great pick, but you do have a future first coming from, Dallas in 2023, and you have, um, they have the 11th pick, I believe, in this year's draft, and then they have all, all their own first-round picks moving forward, so they could grease a sign-and-trade with, you know, and again, I don't think because of the unreliability of Kyrie and all the complications that come with him and the fact that he's a little bit radioactive, and I don't know how much his trade value is even going to be, so... You know, I don't even know how much, but so the Knicks would definitely have enough to get something like this done if they wanted. Um, now, does it make sense for the Knicks? You know, I don't know. Like, they were uh, they were like number eleven or number twelve. I think they were number twelve in the East last year. So, you know, if they get Kyrie, are they what? Are they the eight seed? Maybe. They have a ninth or tenth seed. Like I don't know that they're going to be like. They're not going to turn into a juggernaut just because they get this dude. Like, you know, he's a name. He can sell tickets maybe in MSG, but you know, look. If I were any of these teams, I would not be trying to get this dude. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, I'm just telling you what might happen. Um. 
and that that could be something that's probably the most likely external destination for Kyrie again I'm predicting he opts in and stays in Brooklyn but that the Knicks are probably the most likely external destination um and then we'll get to um let's get to the Clippers so this one is the is an interesting one um now let me be upfront. I would absolutely run away screaming from this possibility for the LA Clippers for a multitude of reasons. Um, and 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 the big thing is here. Like I feel like the Clippers, in my personal opinion, obviously there's a lot of teams that are good in the West next year, but including the the you know Golden State, but um. I will probably pick the Clippers to come out of the West next year. So, they have a really good roster as it is. Are you going to screw that up and jeopardize that with this dysfunctional dude? Like, really? That just seems like a very unnecessary risk to me. I, I, I it would not be not would not be something that I would uh, that I would look at doing if I were. The LA Clippers at all. On the flip side, you could say, well, they need, you know, they could use, you know, an upgraded point guard. That's like the one position on their roster you could look at and say, like, okay, they could they could actually really stand to get better at that spot. Um that and maybe like, you know, backup center or or maybe if you want to move Zubach to the bench, maybe starting center. Um but you could you could do um you know you could say they they could use the point guard upgrade. They have Ty Lue as a coach and he played his best basketball under Ty Lue. Um you know with with the Cavs, although LeBron James had something to do with that too. LeBron, by the way, props to him, he actually won a championship with this dude. Like that is something that you know, we probably don't talk about enough how impressive that is. And I will be quick to kill. I am quick to kill championships and, you know, and hate on championships that I don't think are, are impressive. But, like, if a championship's impressive, I'll tell you. And that championship, very impressive for LeBron James. Um, so, as far as the... um. Clippers getting this done, I don't think they'd have much trouble getting it done if Kyrie opted in and was willing to do that to, to get there. Um, they had the Clippers don't have much in the way of draft picks, but they do have, you know, they could package two or three role players: Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Norman Powell. I think Robert Covington's a free agent, so probably not him. Um, Luke Kennard. They have a lot of players in the Marcus Morris. If I didn't mention him, um, they have a lot of players in the and again that mid tier range. And the, those guys are probably better than the ones the Knicks have. So like the the Nets would actually look at it if they are trying to, um, you know, as as long as they you know and we'll get to KD. But if KD and, and Ben Simmons are still there and they're trying to win next year, then. Then you'd be looking at um, 
a situation where the, the Nets would probably look at it and say, well, this is, you know, decent, at least for, you know, we actually might, again, because Kyrie is so toxic, you do that if you're the Nets and you put that with, with KD. And then if you get anything out of Ben Simmons, you're probably better off as a team. Um, so, but but again, you like, I just can't imagine the Clippers would do something like that, you know, given where they are. You know, as a franchise, you know they're not they're not like the Knicks, which you know are not a good team and and could use the jolt, like you know could use some sort of you know at least what am I saying? Not really a jolt, but just like you know he he, he draw attention, you know you know he he would draw attention to their team. So you know in, in, with it within their market, he get people to games stuff like that. Um, the Clippers don't really, you know, the Clippers are. Are just a already elite team, and 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 the, and the other thing is too, they could really use um. You know, you know they they really need the depth because Kawhi Leonard's probably gonna miss a bunch of regular season games again. I mean, they haven't, you know, Kawhi and PG haven't really stayed healthy, so that's really the trick with the Clippers. Like, they could they they could win the West. Or win the championship, they could also have those guys get hurt again and be, um, you know, fall out of the post. But look, they they almost made the playoffs last year, despite despite those guys missing most of the year. That's pretty impressive. Um, So it's pretty impressive that the supporting cast is able to do that, and then you know Kawhi and PG can come back in and elevate that um, next year. I, you know, I I like that team. I certainly wouldn't go anywhere near this. Um, Miami is interesting. I, I I'm not gonna shut this. I I have a hard time because Miami is like a pretty, you know. Miami's got a lot of you know. There's a lot of things you you get into. I think when you go to Miami. Um, and I don't know if, you know, it seems to me like if you go to Miami, you have to kind of be all about basketball. And that seems to be as far away from Kyrie Irving as you is as possible. Like, that dude is not about basketball. You know, he's just not dedicated, you know, to the sport like you'd expect somebody to be. So, um, I have a hard time imagining that being a fit. But it is a team that could use another scorer. The problem is this deuce is not reliable, and and if you're a team like Miami that was just in the East Finals, are you gonna, you know, the, Miami needs a, a, a difference making score, but are you gonna identify this dude who is just not reliable, and can't stay on the court and is dysfunctional, as is that guy? Are you gonna count on him as that guy? I don't think you can. So, I wouldn't do it if I were the Heat, but you know. You put together Kyle Lowry and draft picks or something like that. You could put a deal together. Um, but again, he's just not reliable at the end of the day. But um, I'll just say I, I've had some interactions with Miami fans, um, you know, over the last couple weeks, and you know. I haven't really been thrilled with some of the interactions, and, and I think that fan base deserves Kyrie. I'll just say that. Um, 
So then you get to the Lakers. I have a hard time seeing this happen. Lakers have absolutely nothing to trade unless they want to dip into like 2027 and, and, and after draft picks. Um, and, and then you'd have to find a home for Russell Westbrook's contract. I highly doubt the Nets would take Russell Westbrook's contract. And there's just a lot of hoops to jump through with that possibility. I kind of have a hard time seeing that happen. A um, lot of hoops to jump through with that possibility. And um, look, I mean, on court, I mean, if the if the Lakers can pull it off, that's the one team that I would probably just say, you know, why not do it? Because it can't get any, it literally cannot get any worse than what happened last year with Russell Westbrook. Now, what the what the what the Lakers should be doing is they should be hitting up the Pacers and trying to get, you know, some mix of Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner for the for those draft picks, and then send Westbrook back as a matching salary, and then Indiana can waive him, and he can go, you know, rejoin the Wizards or something. Um, that's what should be happening. That's one of my. You know, if I were looking at deals that could really benefit, you know, both teams and, and actually, you know, really have a positive impact on teams, like that's the sort of deal I would be looking at this offseason. I think that would really help um, those teams, especially the Lakers. But, um, you know, if you're not going to do that, I mean, it, this is better than keeping Westbrook. If, if you're able to pull this off, this is better than keeping Westbrook. Um but, like, you're not going to look at this and say, oh, because the Lakers got Kyrie Irving and they have LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. They're a championship favorite now. The Lakers are going to win the championship. No, absolutely not at all. Um, you know, I read an interesting article at The Athletic um, from John Hollinger, former Grizzlies executive, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how, you know, he thinks that we're kind of past the point of, like, these big threes with no depth working. And I think there's a lot to what he said. Um, and and he, he was talking about how, you know, it's almost is important to have like, you know, it's important to have the best player for sure. It's also important to have, you know, to not have the most glaring weak link on the floor. And, you know, I think the league has evolved to a point Teams are better than they used to be. They're deeper than they used to be. They they have better schemes and systems than they used to. They, you know, the league is just more talented than it was 10, 15 years ago. I mean, we're, we really are at a point where I really hope they do expand within the next five years or so. Bring a Seattle team in. Bring a, a Las Vegas team in. Like, get a couple more teams into the league, you know, and spread this talent out even more and get, you know get into a couple more, you know, markets that would be you know, fun to have teams in. Because um, the league can handle it now. And, and there's just a lot of talent. And I think we're just at a point that it's hard to win if your roster is, you know, three stars and then minimum players. I think that's, I don't think that's a model that works anymore. I don't think the 2012 Heat, which had three stars and, and mostly minimums, maybe, maybe a couple of guys like Shane Battier in there, stuff like that. I don't think that model really works anymore. So I don't think you would, especially when you factor in the fact that LeBron, and that's not even getting into the fact that LeBron is 38 
and then Kyrie and AD, you know, Kyrie's dysfunctional, and Kyrie and AD both are injury-prone. That's not even getting into that. Even if you put those guys all on the court, how are you getting a supporting cast onto that roster? It's basically going to be minimum players, and I just don't think you can win with that kind of a team. I mean, they might make the playoffs. They might rally and make the playoffs. It would be better than what last season was with Westbrook. But they can't win a championship like that, I don't believe. So, again, I think that's the one team that you'd look at and say, well, you know, why not at this point? But is it going to win them anything? No, it's not. Absolutely not at all. So that's kind of what I have to say, you know, about that. If I had to peg possibilities... Actually, I'm going to revise what I said a little bit. I said there is no way he's going to get to the Lakers. I'm going to say most likely possibility is he he opts in and stays for one year with the Nets. Um, Number two would be he is signed and traded to the clip to the not to the Clippers to the um, Knicks. He's signed and traded to the Knicks. Number three, I'll say the Lakers, just because, like, why not at this point? And they'll try. I just don't know what the hell they'll give up. I don't know what the hell they'll give up. Um, But they'll try. And because the Lakers are just not attuned to what is successful in the modern NBA. Like, they are just about as a team. They, 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 them, don't get this twisted. Them... Winning that championship in 2020 was dumb luck. And the fact that LeBron James wanted to live in Los Angeles. And the fact that they lucked into a supporting cast. It was not because their front offices run well. It's one of the, it, it's maybe the worst. Them and the Kings is a two-man race for the worst front office in basketball. So the Lakers are still in this mode where they think they can just throw stars together and everything will be fine. That's not how it works in modern basketball. So I'm going to, even though it'll be hard to get Kyrie there, I'm going to say Lakers would be number three, just because I just don't see, and this is a compliment to the, to the Heat and the Clippers. I just don't see those teams being, you know, being dumb enough to do something like this. I think Miami would rather keep their current team together or chase a different option like a Donovan Mitchell or a player we're going to get to, spoiler alert, or a player we're going to get to. And then the Clippers, I think, are favorites in the West as constituted, so why would you jeopardize that for this dysfunctional idiot? So anyway, that's what I have to say about that. Um, So next up, we're going to talk about um, what the offshoot of this is in terms of Kevin Durant's future, because I think that's a very interesting question now. Um, I think it's a really interesting question. I think that... He's got to be looking at that extension he signed and being like, why did I do this? Why did I sign that extension? 
Um, because he basically gave away a lot of contractual control to the Nets. And it gave... Um, he probably wants to play with Kyrie. He probably wants Kyrie back there. But the Nets, because he's you know committed all this term to them are just, you know, they're just saying, hey, we're going to run our team as, as we see fit. And, I mean, good for the Nets. If the Nets actually are able to pull something off and get, like, a good return from him in a, in a sign-in trade or an opt-in trade, like, good for them. Good for them for getting out of this just disastrous, you know, dysfunctional player. Um... But KD uh, is not going to be happy as a result. And I don't, again, I don't think that, um, obvi- and obviously you have Ben Simmons still there. If Ben Simmons actually were to give them something and they were to have, have role players, it's not like it can't be, you know, an okay team. It won't be a championship team, but it could be a playoff team. It could be an okay team. Um, but KD, is KD going to start looking around like, Hey, I'm getting to my mid thirties. I don't really like this situation. I kind of want to go play elsewhere um, because we know this is what he does. Like he, KD does not like to go the hard route. KD likes to have, you know, KD likes to stack his rosters and he likes to make it easy for himself and he likes to chase cheap championships. That's what he. That's what he's about. So, you know, we we know what happened there with Golden State, and I still think that this situation imploding. So so much is is it's partially due to karma with well, karma with with Kyrie for sure, but also karma with with KD. You know, with with that decision to go to Golden State, you know what's happened here is karma. It's like you don't want to be the the you know you want everything to be easy. You want to get free championships. You want to um, you know, go through all that, and then hey, you're here in this situation now, and and you're the only dude, potentially. I mean, he really is the only dude, though. If you look at the fact of, of how dysfunctional and unreliable Kyrie and Ben Simmons are, he really is the only dude. As is. So, I will not be surprised. Everybody's talking about, you know, some other names this summer. You know, Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, um, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's a big one. Um, he's much more likely for Miami, I think, than... And Kyrie Irving would be for sure. Um, so, um, although there's roadblocks with that too. Like, like Danny Ainge is not going to want to trade Donovan Mitchell to Miami. Um, but I think Kevin Durant and his future is an interesting curveball here. If he's able to. Because the thing is, if he asks for a trade and and the Nets and the Nets don't give don't give him that, it's like you know, it, it could get pretty dysfunctional. You know, even if Kyrie's gone, it, you know, it could be a lot of dysfunction still there. If you've got a guy in in KD who doesn't want to be there, right? Like, so that would be pretty hard too. But then if you're the Nets, it's like you really got to keep him because now you've given away your you gave away your draft future for Harden. And, you know, if, if KD is gone, then you're handing, you know, that package of draft picks that the Rockets have is going to make the, uh, what the Celtics got for 
Pierce and KG look like nothing is liable to. Um, well, you know, maybe maybe in terms of quantity, not quality, because it's hard to, you know, the Celtics literally got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum with the, you know, third overall picks. You know, like it's, you know, you're not gonna do better than that. You know, they they're not gonna do better than that. But you know, in terms of quantity of picks, I mean, they could be picking in the lottery for years as a result of of this from the net standpoint. Like, so. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's worth having the conversation about KD's uh, future at this point. If if Kyrie is really gone, it's worth having the conversation about KD's future. And we're going to talk about possible destinations. Um, we're going to go through a few teams, why some teams might make sense. And I'm going to do this, you know, kind of spur the moment here on the podcast. I don't have a list of teams like written down or anything. So we're going to go through, um, I, think the, I think the heavy favorite to land... KD, and let me preface this by saying I am a Boston Celtics fan, as you all know from the beginning of this podcast and from all my other podcasts and from hearing me for a while, you know where my allegiance lies. I'm not listing this team because I'm a fan of them. In fact, I actually, as a Celtics fan, I don't, I don't think I want KD. In fact, I know I don't want KD. The Celtics would be the heavy favorite to win the championship. With KD next year. There's no denying that. But we almost won anyway this year. And I don't like KD from everything he did with Golden State and stuff like that. And from aligning himself with Kyrie now in Brooklyn. I don't like the dude. I, you know, we we, we had this team that, that was so much fun last year that came within two wins of, you know, winning a championship. Really, five quarters, if you think about it, you know, up up at the end of uh, third, you know, up in the fourth quarter of game four, they're five quarters away from winning a championship with this fun, likable, defensive-minded team, young team. I would much rather, as a fan, I would much rather just run it back with... You know, some additions to the bench, you know, maybe a long-term Horford replacement, you know, stuff like that. More, you know, maybe a veteran, you know, point guard on the mid-level, you know, uh, a swing piece like a Kyle Anderson. Like, there's so many things I would rather see than, um, I don't want to see the core changed. And and something like this would change the core, but, um, at at least a little bit on the fringes. But, so I would rather just run largely run it back with more depth and and just winning a championship that way while it might be less likely it would be a hell of a lot more rewarding and fun like it would just be so much more fun to to win a title like that than it would be to to trade for KD and then just you know do it that way but I do think the Celtics would be the most likely destination for KD for a multitude of reasons, if he did want out of of Brooklyn. Number one, it's still if he wants to live in the Northeast area, you know, he, he, he likes living in New York, you know, I think is um it's pretty clear. And and you know, you go to Boston, you're within an easy flight in New York, you're pretty close by to there, and you know, if he wanted to do business in New York or whatever, it would be 
Um, pretty easy for him to do that from you know from you know from Boston. Um, number two, you have um, Ime Odoka was the you know assistant coach with the Nets and um, you know has has a relationship already with KD. You know Team USA too and things like that. I think you know playing under Udoka would probably have some level of attraction for Durant if he would if he ended up leaving Brooklyn. Um, then you also have um, Jason Tatum. You know, KD's spoken very highly of Tatum in the past. He just, you know, learned, you know, he felt the the power of Tatum's, you know, full abilities in that playoff series where, where KD really struggled this past year. Um, and and then the fact, you know, the Celtics have, have a great team in there in the finals. And, you know, to be honest, we all know that KD's thing is to lose to teams in the playoffs and then join them. Um, just a really weak way of thinking, but we know that's what KD is into. And so, you know, who did the Nets just lose to in the playoffs? They lost to the Celtics. So, and then just the Celtics are just a a really good team that was five quarters away from a championship. And um, there's a pretty easy trade too. It would absolutely break my heart because I love love Al Horford. He's just an awesome, awesome dude. But your trade's probably Al Horford and, you know, you throw in probably a couple other pieces as well. I'd have to do the, I'd have to go onto the trade machine. In fact, let me do this right now. I'm going to go onto the, uh, I'm going to go onto my little trade machine and, um, and see what I can pull off in terms of this. I think it would be, you know, Horford and then, you know, probably a couple other contracts. Um, I would hope that they could, because I'm not really interested in giving up you know, some of their depth over this, um, at all. And I'm not, in, again, I'm not interested in doing it at all. Right. I, I want, give me, in fact, if I'm so for the Celtics right now, my number one off season target would be Kyle Anderson of the Grizzlies. He's the dude. People say that, Oh, the Celtics need more playmaking and stuff like that. He would get Kyle Anderson would give you more playmaking without changing the mix at point guard, which I think is important because Marcus smart offers so many defensive um, advantages of point guard. Like, if you want to add more playmaking, um, I think Kyle Anderson would be a great add. And he's a guy who's a wing. He's a switchable wing. He can play defense. Um, he's a Spurs guy. He has experience with, you know, Udoka Udoka from the Spurs. Like, that Kyle Anderson is my number one target and it ain't close. Um, so... There's that. Okay, my thing is having a lot of trouble coming up here. That's not not good. It's it's really struggling right now. Um, so I hope uh, I hope the podcast continued. I hope the podcast didn't get interrupted. Um, but yeah, it's uh oh this thing is really my. I need a new phone. That's the problem. Okay, I think we got it coming up now um so yeah and and then you know as far as the tpe that we have you know in terms of adding that extra bench piece that we need guys like marcus morris um kcp kyle kuzma there's a few other names out there as well um but those are are some of the names that would be interesting i mean kyle kuzma is interesting because kyle kuzma is a guy that like i've been you know not really liked in the past but um 
I think he would definitely fit, you know, some of what the Celtics could use off their bench. You know, just a, a, a wing. Because the thing is, the Celtics bench, you've got Peyton Pritchard and Derek White, two guards. And then you've got um, Grant Williams, who's kind of a, he's kind of a wing, but he's also more of like a power forward type. So you have him and then um, Daniel Tice, a center, who is not gonna, who's not really a playoff player. Um so you have um you have those and um you know it would be nice to have like kind of a big wing type that that could come in and add some scoring punch but still fit into the defensive ball movement structure that they have like that would be um that would definitely be pretty good so let's um so let's check this um let me check and make sure the pod is still going. Um, okay, I'm gonna have to listen to this back, but um, so let's check this. Um, so Horford, I don't want to do this, man. Ugh, I love Horford. Horford's such a baller. Um, yeah, another contract will have to go into this for sure. So, Horford and Katie, that's like an $18 million salary difference. Um, so, you're probably looking at, from the Celtics standpoint, you're probably looking at um, Daniel putting Daniel Tice and Aaron Neesmith in the deal, which... Tice is not like an essential piece. Like he's an okay fourth big man, but he makes nine million dollars a year. So you're probably putting him into this deal, and then you're probably putting in Aaron Neesmith as well, just to get the um, you know, you that to give the Nets a, a young, a young wing to try to de- develop, and um, that would help help match the salary even more. And then, you know, you're probably looking at a couple first round picks um, as well. Um, so let's try it and see if it works. Yeah, it worked. So that's that's probably what the deal would look like um, from from the Celtics standpoint um, to get KD. And look, they'd be the championship. They'd be the favorite to win the whole thing with them. No question about it. But as a fan, I would rather just see them try to win it, even if they fall short, even if they lose to Milwaukee in the conference finals. Like, see them you know, run it back with this current core. And then I will say this too. If the Nets were, did this, they'd probably be rebuilding and you'd probably see Horford maybe. Um, you might see Horford then rerouted to somewhere else. Like, could you then, could you look at this, like, you know, this this, this package of like Horford, Tyson, Aaron Neesmith, could that get rerouted to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook or what Russell Westbrook's contract in a draft pick or something? Like there'd be a lot of you know possible permutations you could look at with Horford because he can absolutely still help a team, you know, or, you know, a contender. Um, and then Horford, you know, don't rule out then the possibility of you know if he were to go into trade like this that he would just in a year, a year from now come back to Boston. Boston's where he wants to be. And that's why trading him would be such a tough pill to swallow. Like, this dude loves being a Celtic. He is so happy to be back. He was so happy to be back in Boston when we traded for him after a couple you know, rough years outside of Boston. He knew it was the, the right place for him to be in his career. The Celtics know how to use him the right way. He made such an impact this past year. Seeing him go would be heartbreaking, and I'm not really okay with that. I want 
to keep things as is, but if you look at KD and, and, and where KD would want to go, I would think Boston would be. And the thing is, KD almost picked Boston before. If the Warriors win the 2016, 2016 championship, KD probably goes to the Celtics. He probably doesn't, you know, joining a champion would have been too much even for him. And he probably, the Celtics were his second choice. He probably would have gone to the Celtics. And then the league would probably look very different now because the Celtics would have, you know, understandably pushed for a more win now. You know, they wouldn't have been as patient with draft picks like Tatum and Brown. It would have been interesting to see what the team would have looked like. I'm happy with how it turned out, though. I am. Um, it turned out in a good way. and um, But it would have been interesting because they would have been more more t- geared towards winning now at that point. Um So, um, I, I, you know, it, it is an interesting, it is an interesting thing. I, I definitely think if, if, look, if KD wants to leave, I think he's going to want to go to Boston, but there are some other destinations as well, um, which I, I would be happier with because I don't really want him with the Celtics, but, um. Obviously, uh, and this is if he if he wants, and, and there's no guarantee he wants to leave Brooklyn. Like he may just want to, you know, he may just be content to live in New York and and stay and stay there. But um, I think you look at uh, let's kind of go through. So, I mean, what if KD and, and Kyrie both want to go to the Knicks? They almost signed with the Knicks a, a few years ago. So, I mean, if Kyrie goes to the Knicks, can you rule out KD wanting to go to the Knicks too? You know, I, I don't know that you can do that. Um, so, let's go through teams. I would imagine the Sixers are out. I mean, maybe not. But the Sixers don't have much to trade anymore, and they have to probably swap Tobias Harris for him. I mean, we'll we'll put the Sixers on the list, and they're also close to New York, but it would depend. I'll say this. The thing with the Sixers would depend on um on Harden, you know, and, and, and you know, how Harden gets along with James Harden gets along with KD after everything that happened with the Nets last year. But I guess they could be on the list. Um, but they'd have to they'd have to find a home for Tobias Harris, which I mean maybe the answer is Harris to the Lakers and Russell Westbrook's contract to the to the Nets and 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 draft picks and that's the problem is the um the the Sixers just don't have the draft assets to trade right now. I don't think, besides their pick this year, I don't think they can trade a first-round pick. So, that would be really hard to pull off. Um, that, yeah, that would just be really hard to pull off. They might have to... I mean, they might have to move a guy like... You know, because the... The Nets aren't going to... You know, even if they acquiesce to Katie's wishes, they're not going to just say, like, hey, we'll we'll give you away because he's under contract for so long, they would demand a real return. And so then the Sixers might have to look at, well, then do we have to give up Tyrese Maxey? 
which it's a tough ask. Tyrese Maxey is really freaking good, and he's really fun, and I know my friends that, you know, root for the Sixers would be, you know, find that to be a very unpopular move. Like, Tyrese Maxey might be the second best player on the Sixers next year, even if Harden comes back, you know, assuming Harden comes back. For the Celtics, the Celtics have draft capital. They have, they're only out one swap in 2028. They have the rest of their, they have all their own first round picks. They've got a couple of young guys on the roster. Um, they have, um, and, and then they have all their own first round picks. So they could make a deal, um, you know, more easily than Philly. That's another thing they, they would have going for them. Um, Then you have, let's think about other teams. I don't think you'd want to go to Atlanta. Because this is KD. If KD were to leave Brooklyn, it would be to somewhere where he could win now. Um, I mean, if he went to Atlanta, they'd be pretty damn good. But I don't know that that's the market that he'd be looking for. And I don't know if that's a good enough situation. Miami is an interesting one. Miami is worth mentioning here, and that would be one that would be a little bit scary um, for the league if Miami were to get him. Um, now, again, Miami's a tough, a tough-minded team. I don't know if KD is tough enough for Miami, um, but they, they could. Miami could certainly put together a package. They have Hero. They have most of their draft picks. They have. You know, they could throw Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry's contracts in. Like, they can, Miami could find a way to do this, and that would definitely be a scary proposition. Um, no question about it. Miami would be potentially the favorites to win the championship if they brought in KD. And um, I don't think you can rule it out. I don't think you can rule out that as a destination at all. Um, and this is, um, you know, a scary proposition for sure. Um, so I'd probably put them right now out of the teams you listed so far second behind the Celtics in terms of likelihood of getting KD. Um, so then let's let's think about some other teams. Um, I don't think there's another team in the East. I mean, maybe Milwaukee does not have the assets or the contracts to move. So my, Milwaukee would not would not do it. KD probably wouldn't be interested in that anyway. Um, Chicago, I don't think is close enough to contention. Cleveland is not is small market and not close enough to contention. Although they have a lot of good young players, Cleveland would be the team. I think if LeBron wanted to leave the Lakers, that would be a team for LeBron, but I don't think it would be a team for KD. KD wasn't born there like LeBron, so it's a little bit of a different situation. Toronto, I don't think KD is going to want to go to Canada. Um, no, nothing against Canada, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if KD is going to be, um, you know, too interested in that. Um, and Toronto's is not good, not a good enough team. Not, not a good enough team, not the market that KD would want. Um, So, <clears throat> although given how America's kind of going to shit, it's like, you know, shouldn't every, shouldn't every NBA player want to go play for the Raptors? Shouldn't we all want to go 
<laughs> live there like I don't know, man. Um, but that's just my my guess on it. So then you have, um, hang on, we're gonna uh, uh, I'm gonna start a new segment and then we'll we'll get into some Western Conference teams that might be interested in KD. So I think the Mavericks is an interesting one outside of the pick they owe to the Knicks. They have their control of their picks. Um, well, they traded the one here for Christian Wood this year, and then they have one owed next year for is the last piece of the Porzingis trade. Um, but they get past 2023, and they're clear, so they could definitely offer some picks. They'd have some contracts they could throw in, um, some of which they already threw in for Christian Wood, but um, you know they could throw in some more if they needed to, and Dwight Powell and... You know, a few others. Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie going back would be kind of ironic. Um, but they could work something out. Uh, they, they don't have much young talent, but the Mavs would probably be willing to offer. If it meant getting KD, they'd offer every pick under the sun for him. So they'd be able to work out a deal if, if KD wanted to go there potentially. Um, so that put that on the list. That's probably... Um, We'll call that third behind Miami. Um, he's not going back to OKC. That's not happening. Um, although OKC could certainly, it certainly have enough to, to get him. That's for sure. Um, um. So, let's see. Pelicans is a good young team. Too small of a market. Ditto for the Grizzlies. Although, the Grizzlies if the Grizzlies were to get KD, that's a championship team for sure. Um, Suns, I just don't see that. I kind of see that after the um, playoffs this year. I kind of see that, to be honest with you, as a team that's in a little bit of decline. Um... Obviously, KD could go there and, and change that. You put KD with, with Booker and Paul, and you've got a real team in Bridges, and you got a real team. But number one, I don't know how they would afford that under the cap. And number two, like, I don't know. I just don't see KD being... I don't know if that's his move. I don't know if he would want to... I, I just don't know if that's a market he would want. It seems to me like he wants to be on the East Coast, um... So that might be tough. And then also just where is that team going with Aiton? Like, you know, obviously then you add KD. I don't know if you could, they could put all that under the cap. Like, you know, you know, easily. I think um, someone would have to go in that swap. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe the answer to that, maybe. And I don't know if you can do so, you know, like a sign and trade with Aiton. I mean, it would probably be most feasible if they signed Aiton and then traded him in like December. Like I don't know. I think that would just get really complicated. I'm not sure. Um, unless Bridges or Mikel, Mikel Bridges went out in the trade, which uh, you know, he's such a good defensive player, man. I mean, if Katie wants to go to your team and you're the Suns and you're trying to rebound from what just happened, I mean. 
you, you probably have to consider that. But Mikel Bridges is, is so young and he's such a good defensive player, and you know he fits so well with your team that you know again the way the NBA is now, like that's it's a tough thing to give up. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't you know. Again, and with that whole team in decline, too, like, you know, we don't know what CP is going to look like next year. It's just hard. It's just hard hard to think about that. So KD probably wouldn't even want to go there anyways, to be honest. Like, I think push comes to shove, you'd have to move. Talking it out, you'd have to move a guy like Bridges for him if it came down to it. But um, just to fit, just to make the, the, the money work, but that's a tough... Tough thing to lose for the Suns. It would certainly be, you would, between losing Bridges and losing, you know, potentially Chris Paul aging. That'd take a lot out of what would make them so attractive for Katie in the first place. So, um, then you get to the Clippers. I don't think the Clippers. Um, I mean, I guess. Well, they don't have the draft pick. I think. I think to get Katie, you have to have. Um. You would have to have some draft picks. And that's why I think the Sixers will have a hard time. Like, because he's under contract for so long, the Nets are going to be able to demand a real return if he asks out. And I just don't think that... um, The Clippers just don't have the picks. The Lakers don't have the picks. Like, those teams, you know, are kind of... KD might be interested in the Clippers. Big market. You know, Kawhi and um, PG are there. Kawhi actually recruited... KD to the Clippers when he was looking through free agency destinations, but um, so I just don't see those as, as real possibilities. Golden State, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going back there. Um, and then like you look at teams like Utah and Denver, obviously not. Um, Portland, obviously not. So I mean that pretty much. I think that pretty much canvases the whole league. Like, um. So I think in terms of serious KD destinations, I think, look, I think the Celtics are the overwhelming favorite. Um, would be the overwhelming favorite if he has that. And, and to be clear, again, my prediction, like, I'll be on the record here, is that KD is not going to go anywhere yet. Like, Kyrie ops, my prediction from earlier in the episode, Kyrie ops in. And then KD, you know, obviously there's no reason for him to want out then either, right? So, um, like, I think they'll stay together another year. And the Nets will, they'll, you know, the Nets will keep him for another year. But if things go sideways with Kyrie, then I think it's it's really in play. I think it would be a pretty split. I think, honestly, it would be pretty split between he just stays in Brooklyn or, you know, he he requests a trade to Boston. I think those are the, you know, would be the clear favorites in, you know, in that scenario. I think my, and then you look at other teams, I, I think my the Miami possibility would be real. Um, behind Boston, but probably the second best external destination for him. And then number three would be the Mavericks. I think those are the three teams that you would look at with, with KD. And then I think the Sixers and... Clippers would hang around on the periphery. Um, especially if... And, and, and look, if, if the... Um, if the Sixers and Clippers would be willing to give up, like, real star pieces, then 
that could change things and they could vault up the list if Katie's actually just going there going there. Like if the Sixers are willing to give up Maxi and, to, and Tobias Harris, then yeah, I mean that might be something that would that would work. If the Clippers are willing to give up Terrence Mann and you know well, maybe not even Ter- Terrence Mann in there, but like, you know, maybe, or, or yeah, I mean, screw it, put Terrence Mann in there, like Terrence Mann and Paul George or something, then, you know, and, and you upgrade from Paul George to KD, then, you know, sure, the, you know, that might be of interest for the, you know, f- you know, for the Nets and, and for KD, and, you know, he might like, you know, he might be interested in that. So, I mean, we'll put those teams on there as like other options, but I really think it would be, you know, tie between going to Boston or staying in Brooklyn, and then after that, Miami, and then after that, Dallas. So that's my read on that situation. So let's talk a, a little bit about the draft. Um, I don't have a ton to say on the draft. I haven't really studied it as much as I usually would just because of the Celtics run and the fact that the Celtics don't have a first-round pick. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm this big expert on it. But it certainly seems to me like Jabari Smith is going to be the number one pick to the Magic, and I think that's the right move. I he's a shooter and look the magic the one thing they have needed is just like a dude who can get buckets like they've had a lot of like solid players they've had good defensive players but they haven't had dudes that can like be a superstar and get buckets and Jabari Smith if things pan out for him he's a great shooter um like it sounds like he's a dude that could it's that it's 6'10 he could get buckets and like Chet Holmgren is really good but I don't know if he's that dude, and I don't know if that's what Orlando really needs. And he, Javari would fit so well with their current team, too. Um, like, you look at, at the Magic, you'd have the Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, whatever you want to get out of there at, at point guard. Like, Fultz is, is a decent player when healthy, and, um, you know, for all the, you know, Sixers jokes and all that stuff, like... He's been fine when when he's been healthy. Um, and then you've got Suggs, who has a lot of potential. And, you know, then you've got... Um, what was I going to say? And then and then it's small, small forward, of course. You've got Franz Wagner, who was very good as a rookie. Um, and that's a position they've needed to fill for a while, is really the three. Um, then you get, at the four, you would have Jabari Smith slot in perfectly then next to Wendell Carter at the five like that honestly then that, that team would start to make sense and then you could start to cut out the pieces that don't fit like you know Mo Bamba would be gone probably and you know you might sort out the point guard mix eventually and you know what would happen to a guy like Jonathan Isaac then I think that's an interesting question like does Jonathan Isaac is he a trade piece and maybe he has to come back and prove that he's healthy first, but is he trivial? So, like, as a Celtics fan, that is actually a dude... I think he would fit into our TPE if we do, you know, during the draft. Or or maybe we could trade, like, Tyson Neesmith for him or something in draft picks. Like, that would be... Isaac would be an interesting get for us as a Horford replacement down the line. Um, but he... At the end of the day, he has to stay healthy, too. And, the, and Orlando might just say, like, hey, you know, we'll keep him and see how he fits. But, um... He might be an odd man out there, but like that's the team that's like starting to come together uh, a little bit for the Magic. Um, so I would imagine Jabari goes first, and then that is perfect for the Thunder because Chet Holmgren's what they need. 
with the second pick. That's the piece that they need more than Jabari Smith, I think. Um, like, the the Thunder have some um, interesting pieces. They have Josh Giddy. They have um, Shea Gilles-Alexander as their backcourt. They have Lou Dort as a perimeter defender type who might get traded. But So they could use, like, a three and a four long-term maybe. So Jabari Smith would, you know, maybe fit something that they need as well. But they don't have a five at all. They don't have a center at all. And Chet could Chet Holmgren could come come in and be that guy for them, that difference maker on the defensive end, that impact presence in the front court. Like I think Chet could be that for them, and I think that would uh that would be an interesting pick for the Thunder, no doubt. Um, then I would imagine Paolo Bancaro. Like I think the Rockets know they're getting Paolo Bancaro. Like. They this why one of the reasons why they traded Christian Wood. They know they're getting Paolo, um, and I think he's definitely the third best player in the draft. So that's a dude that they uh, they would want. I mean, I don't think taking. Let me put this out there. I don't think taking Jade Nivey would be crazy for the Rockets because they need a long term point guard to slot next to. Um, I know Kevin Porter Jr. is still there, but I feel like they could use like a long term point guard to slot next to Jalen Green as well. And I think Jaden, I really like Jaden Ivey. He, I think he's going to be an NBA superstar. So, um, you know, he went to, full disclosure, he went to school with my brother. But um, they they didn't know each other. I'm not saying they knew each other. But they were at, um, at Purdue's campus at the same time. And so I, I've watched a little bit of him play. He's a really good player. And I think he'll be better outside of Purdue's system, which I don't think was a very good fit for him. So, um, yeah, I think... Um, I would consider Ivy if I were the Rockets. I expect them to go Bancaro. They knew that when they traded Christian Wood, like they know that both Shengun and some other guys there, and you know they're gonna have to create the minutes and the role for Palo to come in right away. So it just made a lot of sense for them to do that. Um, so that'll be a fine pick for them, I think. Um, and then at number four, I think the Kings, obviously that one's interesting because Ivy's the clear, a clear top four player in the draft, but Kings don't need a guard. They just drafted Davion Mitchell. They have De- they committed to De'Aaron Fox essentially when they traded Tyrese Halliburton for um, Sabonis. But, um, you know, would they take Ivy then on top of that as best player available? I mean, I guess. I'd probably do it, and then I'd probably try to trade Fox for another player like if the if the um king if the kings are looking to upgrade a point guard i mean maybe i would offer up fox for julius randall or something like because you know two players you could probably do better you know with other teams um but i my and and the kings could also trade down and capitalize on the ivy interest to get another first round pick or something um, you know, from be it from the Pistons at five, the Pacers at six, the or even further down the board, maybe um, maybe the Thunder jump up. I mean, the Thunder could if the Thunder want to, they can <laughs> they can get into any conversation they want. So um, yeah, I would I would anticipate that um, that there would be conversations, but I think the most likely scenario might just be the Kings staying put and taking a different player, like a Keegan Murray or someone like that. I think that might be the most likely. And then that would free up 
Ivy to number five to go to Detroit, which I think is a fantastic fit for player and team. Ivy's mom played for Detroit in the WNBA. She coaches Notre Dame women's basketball. She's, she's very close by. It's um, it's close to you know where Ivy went to school at Purdue, and you know finishing up you know before that up in you know Indiana, you know growing up in Indiana, like um. I think it's a really great, a really great fit. Um, and just a, a really good young team with Cade Cunningham coming back, you know, looking good as a rookie. And you add Ivy to him as, as that secondary scorer. And I think Detroit, you could be looking at them as like a Cleveland-type story soon where they t- really take that next step in, into a play-in type team. And then, we, we, you know, we'll be interested to see what happens with Cleveland from here. And they could... uh I mean, Detroit could be really fantastic next year. So, I, I I really like that fit. I think if Ivy goes to Detroit, look out. That's all I have to say. Um, then after that, I honestly don't have too much of, a, of an opinion after the top five. I think that's kind of the where the stars run out. You'll you'll see useful players go and all that stuff. Um, but I don't know if I have too much of an opinion of a of an opinion after that. Um, we'll probably get to like free agency tips later. We'll have trade reactions if if any big big ones really come out. Um, on the pod, but that's that's really what I've got right now. So just to wrap this up, um, just to follow up on some of the final stuff, um. Obviously, with the Celtics losing, I I have been hearing a lot of Jason Tatum slander over the last few days, and I just want to say how unwarranted it is. Like, did he did Tatum have the greatest series in the world? No. Um. But this guy beat is at age twenty four. He beat KD, Giannis, and the Miami Heat in three straight playoff rounds. Made the finals at age 24. Like, can we cut this dude a break? Like, good lord. He does not deserve the hate that he's getting. And and with the minutes load that he had to take on, he let, he's led the league in minutes the last three years. Three very tough seasons for the league during the pandemic. He hurt his shoulder. Like, like can we just say that this dude was beat up and fatigued, which he was, like... Like, this dude had a great playoff run. It didn't end the way he wanted it to, but, like, I'm sorry. No team in the East from 2011 to 2018, except for LeBron James, no team in the East got to make the finals, which is what the Celtics just did. So, can we just take a chill pill and let Tatum breathe, let him enjoy his offseason? I'm sure he's going to come back a better player next year because he's age 24, and that's what players at that age do. They keep improving and they get better. Like, you know, oftentimes when a player is that young, they do struggle in the finals. Like, look at LeBron. It took him a couple finals tries to, you know, really figure it out. And, you know, there are other examples as well. And um, I imagine, you know, Tatum, when he gets back to the finals, he's going to be a lot better. He's going to learn from it and be a lot better. You know, sometimes it takes to age 26, age 27 to get, you know, that, that championship ring. And I was really hoping it could happen this year. And I'm still really bummed, you know, it's just really, 
it just really hurts that, that they weren't able to do it because so much lined up for them and it felt like all everything had aligned for them to to do this this year and um and 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 all that and it still really hurts and it's just deeply saddening that they just weren't able to pull it out but you know let's have some proper perspective here at, at, at what happened with this you know with the Celtics this year they they uh, my expectations this year and I am you know I'm I'm a realist but I'm also you know I if the Celtics are good, I'll tell you they're good. And I did not tell you because I did not think they were. I didn't tell you for until like March that this was a championship team. I did not think that this could be a team that could compete for a championship until like March. I thought they'd lose to Milwaukee. I really did. I thought the Milwaukee was better. And then it got to the point they finally proved to me that they could they would have what it take to beat Milwaukee and they did but it took me a while to get there i so they exceeded even my expectations like so let's not get to the end of the season and just do this revisionist history and then just say oh it's a, just a failure for Jason Tatum to have have a rough last series after three great playoff rounds and an unbelievable turnout and all this stuff like no like he had a great season it didn't end well he's going to learn from it he's a top I'd say he's a top six player. Like, it's hard to, to differentiate. I think there's a clear six at the top, and he's one of them. So, you know, I think top five is is debatable, but I think he's top six for sure. And obviously, the six would be, um, Giannis, Luca, Steph, Embiid, Jokic, Tatum. Those are the top six players in the league right now, and. Tatum's one of them, so he could be top five. He's definitely top ten. I mean, that's not even debatable anymore. Um, so he's definitely top ten, and so I would definitely, um, I would definitely say that uh, that I think a lot of that slander is really unwarranted. So I just have a problem with that, and um, yeah, it's just really sad. But I'm I'm working on, um, I'm working on getting past it. I I spent some time at the beach over the weekend. That was, you know, kind of therapeutic. It helped me, uh, you know, just took my mind off things, and you know, got to get out, spend some time outside, do something I enjoy doing that didn't have anything to do with uh, with sports or basketball or anything like that. So it was just uh. A nice trip, got to clear my head. It was it was just really good, and um, you know I'm I'm working on getting past it. Still just really disappointing, but you know I'm I'm working my way through it, and uh, you know it'll be it'll all be okay. And you know starting to appreciate the amazing year that they had, and and all the things that they did get to accomplish, which was significant. Um, they did a lot of really significant things this year that you know as Celtics fans we can all be really proud of. Um, you know, everybody who's, who's out there, you know, and again, I, I went on that spiel in our last episode, but like, you know, all these people with things to say, they're the ones that watching us in the finals. So what they have to say is, is really irrelevant and really doesn't matter and, and is pointless. So, um, that's, uh, 
Trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I think that's about it. I think we're going to call it. Um, so I hope uh, hope you all have a great rest of the rest of the week. And um, we might come out later this week with some more episodes. We'll see. Depends if any major trades break. You know, we'll probably do something post-draft. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be up to too much draft coverage and trade coverage, but we're here. I really was motivated. The Kyrie stuff motivated me to get an p- episode out. So, anyway, um, have a good have a good rest of the evening, and uh, we'll talk soon. Peace.